But ultimately, humility, ready for this? It's Christ. It's actually hearing his voice. And it's at this place that those who want to hear his voice wants direction. Because the enemy's voice is loud. Your voice is confusing. Come on, I'll say it again. The enemy's voice is loud. And your voice causes confusion. But the voice of God brings a peace. Come on, the voice of God brings something that is absolutely guards your heart and your mind. It's called the voice of God. If there's anything that you need to seek in this season is the voice of God. You have to know the truth of humility because it's the truth that will set you free. Christ is humility. So we see what's going on in our world and we have all these government leaders. We have all these people making decisions for us. And all over the world, not just America, all over the world, making decisions for us. Now, the culture has to follow the current narrative, but not the church. Come on, somebody. Because we walk in humility, we know how to get people to come back to God. Come on, somebody. So the goal of the enemy is for us to walk away from God. That's the number one thing on his agenda. That's why he affects your marriage. That's why he attacks your family. That's why he attacks your finance. The enemy's goal is for you to walk away from God. He'll even give you success that will make you walk away from God. Doesn't make any sense, does it? He'll prosper you till it comes out of your nostril. As long as you walk away from God. He will give you empires. Come on. He will give you all that you need. Can I teach this thing like I feel it? Come on. He takes Jesus and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Ooh. Jesus shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And I'll give you all this if you bow down and worship me. If he did that to Jesus. Come on, somebody. The enemy has showed you stuff that seems so tempting and so amazing. And you step into it. And now what you do is you leave the voice of God. You no longer have a virtue, but you hang on to your value system. And we're going to define what that really is. You're really living what we call a reckless life. A reckless life. And then we're going to deal as the... Weeks come about a religious life. But today we're going to deal with a reckless life. Because a reckless life is somebody that they may be saved. I can't judge that. But they're definitely lost. They may be saved. They got a value system that just gets them in. Come on, you can preach them into heaven. They, they may be there. And they're a good human being. There's nothing wrong with them. But they haven't been challenged to hear the voice of God. And people, we must walk in humility because people need to hear the voice of God so they can come back to God. Are you hearing me? That's how we're going to fill this place up. And so what we have in the story is with Moses and he goes to Pharaoh. And this is the battle of humility. So Moses now goes to Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh, let my people go. The church was talking to the ruler at that time. Come on. Come on, not, not tell me where to go. Moses, let my people go. And we got to tell the devil, devil, let my people go. Come on, somebody. You got to tell the world leaders, let me go. You have no control over my life. Come on. Ah, we're the church and we have direction and we lead what's going on. 
God is not nervous. Somebody used to write that down and put it on your fridge. Post that. Come on, somebody. God is not nervous, by the way. He is not scared like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I didn't see that coming. This is what Pharaoh said. Who is, watch this now. Who is this God? And look what Pharaoh said. And why should I obey his voice? He didn't say, what virtue are you coming with, Moses? He didn't say, what value system are you coming with, Moses? He says, who is this God and why should I obey his? Ooh, come on. So every world leader is listening to a voice. <laughs> and every single one of us answers a voice. And we can either justify it through confusion or we can walk in the truth of humility. Come on. And go back to God. It's so cool. So, Pastor, how do I receive humility? Great question. Great question. How do I receive humility? First thing, you have to come to Jesus. So in Matthew eleven twenty eight, I got a scripture. Matthew eleven twenty eight. We see how you're supposed to receive humility because you can't function and thrive without humility. And so he says, I want you to come to Jesus. And so in Matthew eleven twenty eight, the New Living Translation says, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will do what? And I will give you rest. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. He says, come. And then he goes on and he says, for learn of me, I will teach you. For he says, I am what? Humble. Or one to says meekness. So in other words, the only place in the gospel where Jesus identifies his heart is right here. And he says, I am humble. Not that I humble myself. I'm the very essence of humility. Come on. He's defining what humility is, is that if you come to Jesus, you now are walking in humility. And from there, you humble yourself. It's two different things. Come on. So when you understand humility, you understand walking in humility means I'm walking with Christ. Come on. Back to God. Because when pride came in and sin came in and Adam and Eve went away from God, there was no one who can bring them back to God. Oh, come on. Think about that. Why didn't God just start all over again? Just wipe out Adam and Eve. Ah. Next. Why does God go to Adam and Eve even though he knew where they were? And he still asks them, where are you? Listen, I'm going to share something that there are people right on the edge. And if we don't walk in humility, we're going to push them over to the enemy. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about people who are living a reckless life. That's what Adam and Eve did. They lived a reckless life and they became sinners. And also religious. Oh, come on. Because in them was everything. And so we have to walk in humility to identify what's going on. And if we become religious and not understand how to be righteous, we're going to cause people to continue to be in bondage. Am I helping anybody right now? So the first thing you have to do, you have to come to Jesus. It says, come to me all who are weary and heavy and carrying heavy burdens. What Jesus was saying was this. I know you can't carry all the law. You can't do it. And the law became heavy. So it was the rules of life. It was the value system of the religious uh, 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 order. And Jesus saying, come to me, all those who can't fulfill the law. And that should be everybody. 
He said it's a yoke around it. What he was talking about was an animal and they were yoked together. And so they were plowed the fields. And he's saying, all of you who's trying to carry this load. Listen, if you're trying to serve God with this load upon you, then you're not doing it right. You're not. He says, come to me. Don't go to anybody else. Come to me. All those who are laboring. He says, come to me. And then the first thing he does, he says this. It's not just an invitation. It's an individual decision. Come on. It's an individual decision, right? And so when you do this now, you come to Jesus based on an invitation. You come to Jesus because of an individual decision. But here's the deal. Here's where the enemy comes in now. Look at the enemy. He says, um, Okay, so, so, so you came to Jesus, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you came by yourself. Yes. So stay that way. Isolate yourself from everybody else. You don't really need the church. Come on. We are the church. I'm telling you, there's one thing that got really under my skin, almost did my hair grow back, was when we justified, come on, not mean together. Well, we're not the four walls. You weren't saying that three months ago. It's one of the biggest lies the enemy did is to get you in isolation to say, I can do it all by myself. That's the biggest pride thing ever. I don't need nobody. That's pride. And I know that it can manifest itself differently, but I'm telling you right now, I don't know about you, but I need you. Come on, somebody. I need to get here and I need to feed. I don't care if it's two or three. Come on, somebody. When two or three gather together, Jesus is in the midst and I'm touching him and I want to hear his voice. We need each other. Why? Because to receive humility, I need you to help me to walk back to God. I might be stuck in a doubt. I might be stuck in depression. I need you to help me to walk back to God, not back to some religion. It didn't work. I need you to walk me back to God. How many people you know that are saved but isolated? Please hear my heart and my spirit from this. What online did was make it more convenient, not didn't bring conviction. And so there are times where you have to plug in because you want to connect to community. So, of course, it's there as a tool, but it's not truth. Come on, somebody. And so there are times you have to recognize, no, I can't make it, so I'm going to do that. Please hear my heart. But I'm going to tell you, the enemy's major weapon is to try to get the church to live isolated. And then if we come together, divide us. Keep them away. They come together, divide them. Come on, am I teaching this thing? Come on, somebody. Because we have to understand something here, that there are people saying, I need God, but I need someone to give me direction how to get to him. This is the greatest Thanksgiving. Here's why. The greatest Thanksgiving is not just cutting the turkey. The greatest Thanksgiving is when a family member or a friend who was lost comes to Jesus. Is where you set your table on that young man, that young woman, that uncle, that aunt, whatever, who doesn't know Jesus. The greatest thanksgiving is when they come there and they can say, oh my goodness, I am back with God. And it's possible. So, that's how you receive humility. You have to come to Jesus. Now I want to share with you real quick, real quick, the lesson. And so I'm going to um, really talk about reckless uh, uh, living. And, and reckless living is where I talked about the, the, the prodigal. Um, that's not the right word for it. So in Luke 15, uh, in your Bible, you have permission, scratch out that prodigal stuff. That's not what it, that's what it means. It was a lost son. 
Because everything, the three parables were one. And everything was they lost the sheep, they lost the coin. So it's a lost son. It's not a prodigal. It's a lost son. It's a lost son. Not a lost son. A lost son. Oh, Reckless living. And the other son was religious living. It was about sons. It's about family. Oh, come on. It's about covenant. But the enemy has made it come something totally different. If we get people who are living reckless to get direction, come on, we will fill this church. And the enemy doesn't want us to really understand that. And so it's reckless living. And so if you notice in the scripture in Luke 15, it says this. He says, hey, dad, relational. I want all the money now. I want you dead. And then he takes the money. And then now he goes and he lives what they call a reckless life. And it keeps going down. That's pride. It keeps going down. It keeps going down. It's reckless living. It's having no direction. It's really, I don't need God now. I may need him later on, but I don't need God right now to figure out my own future. I got this. It wasn't they don't believe in God. Come on, somebody. It's I don't need God right now. And we get caught up on the fact that they believe God. You know, the Bible says these blood tremble. So just because you believe God doesn't mean that you think you need God. A lot of times you need him when you're getting married and when you're buried for funeral. And in between, we got it, God. So it's reckless living, reckless living. And so, and so what happens is this, and this is where I'm going um, gonna, to, we're going to go through something. You have to understand the false humility of the son. And, 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 and the younger son came back and he gave false humility. And this is where we have to be careful because when you're talking to people as you're evangelizing, as you're witnessing, you're going to have people who live reckless, not religious. The reckless living people are going to do this. The enemy is going to lie to them because he's going to say this. Look at what he says. He was humiliated because he got to a place now where he was eating the pig food. He was a Jew. You don't do that stuff. And so he get to himself. Look at that. He came to himself. I should go back home. Watch this now. This is so important. I need to go back home. So he's walking back in false humility. Because he says that my father house has servants who eat better than me. So the enemy has him not knowing who he is. Come on, somebody. He just went from a son who was living reckless, come on, to now to being a servant. He went from his humiliation now, which was a vice, now go to a value system. And so if I can just live like a servant, come on, I can be okay. And God's like, that's not good enough. No, because you are a son. You are a daughter. Come on. The issue is not where you are. The issue, you don't know who you are. The issue is not where you are. The issue is you don't know who you are. So when your kids take off, the issue is not where they are. The issue is they don't know who they are. Oh, I'm preaching this thing real good. Come on, somebody. Real good. He says, I'll go back. I'll be a servant. I'll pay it off. Because I don't want the relationship. And what it's always been is this. I don't want God in my life right now. Reckless living. Reckless living. Reckless living. I understand this. Come on. I'm one of you know, I'm American citizen now. So I get it. My daughter's turning 18, but I'm like, we Jamaican in, in, in blood. <laughs> so you might be American on paper, but we Jamaican by blood. I don't care if you're 18. Listen, you don't, I don't care. 
you will get some direction. Come on, somebody. And if you want to live reckless without God, go ahead. But I'm telling you, there's going to come a time where you're going to be humiliated and you're going to change who you are as an Anderson to be something less than. Come on, somebody. And I can't speak to a servant because you're a son. Good God Almighty. And you want God to speak to you as a servant. And God says, no, you're a son and a daughter. The issue is not God. The issue is you. You have no idea who you are. Quit blaming God. There's nothing God did to anybody to say, I don't need you. Find me one person could say, God, you did this. It was the devil. But God is all powerful. It was the devil. But God allowed it so you can learn humility. Come on, somebody. So just because there is sickness, the struggle, the situation, just because God allowed it doesn't mean God ordered it. Come on, somebody. So the enemy says, oh, if being sick caused humility, God made me sick. And God's like, no, you're a son. I don't know what sickness is. I heal sickness, but it didn't come from me. So we're confessing a value system that has no authority because we don't know the voice of God. I'm going to go back and just going to say, let me be a servant. And so watch this now. While he was walking back to the house, God was running. Oh, you got to get that. While he was walking back in humiliation, God was running in humility. Come on. So the moment he was heading back, come on, God met him. And so the father goes now, the father goes now, and and he turned to him and he says, listen, make me as a higher servant. So watch this now. So when he was in the pit and he says, I'm going to tell him to make me a higher servant so I can pay it off. When he got to the father, the father stopped him from confessing that. Come on. You got to get it. Here he says, make me a higher servant. He gets up and he says, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against everything. Make, nope, shut up. Come on. Oh, come on. God needs to close your mouth because you're confessing stuff that's keeping you in bondage. You got to recognize who you are so the devil can know. Don't mess with me, devil. Don't, don't, don't you mess with me. I know who I am. Don't mess with me. And so, so, so that, that's the whole concept of, of reckless living. And, and, and so now there's a lesson in that. And so, and so this is how you do it. So c- c- come on up here, McKenna. So this is, this, this is the application of this now. Because here, here's the deal. This is what I'm super excited about. I'm super excited about it. Because, see, here's the deal. Um, when you're dealing with someone who is living reckless, you have to understand humility. Oh, come on. This is so good. And so what we're going to navigate now is we're going to talk about the four things that are needed. And here it is now, parents. Here it is now, loved ones, right? Because this Thanksgiving, what you want to celebrate is a lost person, family member, friend, coworker that sits at the table and they say, thank you for walking me back to God. And so what we're calling this now is let's talk about your walk. Let's talk about your walk. So, so the son comes home now, and before you all think that God compromised and, and God didn't judge it, no, God did. But God says, come on, son, let's talk about your walk. Let's talk about what made you walk away, and let's talk about what made you walk back. Come on. Oh, that is so good. I want you to write that down. Let's talk about your walk. So when you're talking to your kids, sit down with them and say, hey, let's talk about the walk. Come on, somebody. Every month, sit down with them and say, hey, let's talk about the walk. Sit down with your husband, your spouse, whomever, and say, let's talk about the walk. So let's talk about the walk. Have a seat, young lady. And so I, I, said, I said, McKenna, I want to bring you up here because um, 
I knew from the time you were 16 years, well, I knew from before then, but I remember the first point is your journey. And I remember we were uh, at your place, and first thing is your, your parents said, hey, um, we're going to come to TGP. And um, what was neat about it was you're all like, but there's no young people here. Like, there's nobody here. So mom and dad, you lose your mind? He goes, no, I heard the voice of God. We're supposed to be here. And, and, and so that's not propping up our church. I was talking about how obeying God's voice is so important. So talk to us about the journey of, of walking away from God and then talk about your journey of walking in humility back to God. Um, for me, I, uh, I grew up, in, like obviously, I grew up in church, um, heard the voice of God at a young age, um, heard the call of God on my life at a young age. So um, I had knowledge of who God was. Uh, I was taught, um, even would get up here and speak of the knowledge that I had of God. Um, but it wasn't until I started making choices in my life and started walking away from him that revealed my unbelief in who he was. So I had knowledge of knowing who he was. And, um, I knew I heard that he was good. I heard that he was holy. I heard that he was sovereign, but I didn't necessarily believe it. Um, so that's the challenge with young people. You can teach them the knowledge of who God is, but it's, they need the understanding and the belief of knowing who he was. So, um, it was easy to walk away, um, from the knowledge part of God. Um, and if you go back to the garden, God wrecked me, um, by, by walking me through this. Cause I would always tell my mom when she was helping me walk back towards God, uh, I'm like, God, I don't know why I did it, mom. Like, I don't know why I'm making the decisions that I made. Um, I don't know why I'm doing this. And it was actually our meeting on Tuesday when you said pride. I was like, there it is. It was pride. And if you go back to the garden, that's, um, that's what, that's what it was. That's been the fall of, the fall of man has been, um, pride. So if you look at this, uh, if you look at Eve, she had knowledge of who God was, right? She walked with him. Um, that God is all she ever knew. So she had knowledge of God. But then if you look at the garden, when the serpent came in, um, it was, he, he questioned her knowledge of God. Did God really say that? And it was because that she didn't know who God was for herself that she was then able to eat the fruit for, cause he was, you know, he came after her pride and exposed, um, her pride by when she ate it because she didn't truly know who God was, um, for herself. So rather than for me, and this is, I, I was, I was Eve, I was Adam in this, when I ate of the fruit, when I started making these choices, when I was sinning, let's call it what it was, um, rather than walking to God and saying, God, when the lie started coming, God, he's saying this about you. He's saying that you're keeping things from me. Is that true? Mm. Rather, because, so my unbelief and not knowing who God was and that he was a good father and that I could walk back to him um, made me eat the fruit. So it got to the place of... Um, I felt humiliated that God was keeping things from me in, in a sense. Like I felt like he was keeping things from me and he was hum- and it humiliated me. Um, and I stayed in humiliation for two years of my life. And um, even just talking, I had so many things happen. And there were so many times where I needed to pray. And I grew up 
knowing that I needed to pray in the situations. Um, but I knew that I knew that I was at a place where God didn't owe me anything. Like the fact that I was breathing was because he was because of his grace. So I had the knowledge of that. Um, but it got to the place where he started just revealing himself to me. And it got to the place where I couldn't stay away from him. I was so broken and lost. And the fact that he welcomed me back with open arms and he never, he never stopped wanting me to come back. He never stopped loving me. He never took his hand off of my life. You, it, you get to a place where you're running and walking away from God, um, where you put pride aside because the father just, he wants you back. And so it wasn't me that walked back to God. Um, it was literally his character that drew me back to him to where I couldn't stay away anymore. Mm. So I want to encourage the parents here because, you know, I think it was the more difficult responsibility that I have or challenges to being a parent. And so your child is going to go on a journey. You're on a journey. And so I think it's important that the first thing we talk about, and we have to get to a place of humility to hear them talk about the journey. Hear them talk about the doubts and all those things that are going on there. And so when I mention that about the journey, it's, it's encouraging to know that God is with them. I want, I want to encourage, God is with them. Because I'll confess, here's where pride kicked in for me. I'm like, man, that girl's wasting my time. And I got mad at her decisions. And we use the illustration of the SUV. I'm like, you kicked me out of the SUV. She's like, you go. I said, I didn't get out. You kicked me out. I said, you're on this journey by yourself. And then I got to a place where pride kicked in, where I thought, you're not listening to me. God's like, well, she listen to me. So I, Why are you making it about yourself? <laughs> he listen to me either, right? So, but he, he made sure you remind me of this. But that's my daughter. It's reckless living. Because if you look at this parable again that Jesus said, he gave the parable because he was talking to tax collectors and sinners. And why does Jesus use a story about a sonship if he's talking about sinners? He's making them understand that people who walk away from God is different from those who don't want God. And that's the whole message about the falling away. That's going to happen. So church, we have to have discernment to recognize those who are falling away versus those who have walked away. And so finally God says, there's one thing she can't do. I said, what's that? He goes, she can't stop you from believing in her. I said, what? You can believe in her. I don't care what she says. I said, that was December. I'm like, that's it. She can't stop me from believing. I said, listen, you can't stop me from believing in you. You can kick me out of the SUV and you can say, don't come on the journey, but you can't stop me from believing in you. And man, that took a lot of things when I saw, when I saw the next thing we're talking about, the journey, the next thing that comes with the journey is the junk. Make no mistake, when you walk away from God and you come back, you're bringing junk with you. Hello, somebody, come on. You're bringing scars. You're, you're bringing baggage and bargains. Come on. And so just in case you think she came back with no junk. Oh, no, she has junk. And some of you all know her junk. Her parents are high in, in, in leadership at this church. You know what I mean? And we got social media now. And so the battle came in now. So, okay, you have this journey, McKenna, and you came back. But the enemy is saying, I'm still going to get you. What about the junk? What about the junk? How do you process in your mind? The baggage, the bargains, the pain, 
that accompanied the journey back. How did you handle that? Because that's what holds a lot of people back. They're like, man, this church can't handle my junk. That they can't handle the junk. So I, I won't, this, it's called the walk of shame. Right? So, so you're, va- hey, once you come to church and it says walk of shame, I can't get there. I got too much junk. So talk to us quickly about the junk. Yeah, so obviously, like he said, there was a, I have a lot of junk. There's decisions that I made that um, will affect the rest of my life. But I think it's just, again, going back to knowing who God is. And he is such a good father in the sense of, I felt like for a while I had to work off my debt, just like the prodigal did. I felt like, you know, I had to prove things to people. I had to prove things that um, God had transformed me and um, everything like that. But it got to the point where I had to lay, first off, lay your junk down at Jesus' feet. Um, Lay it down. (laughs) Don't carry that. You may have to deal with the consequences. I told my mom one time, I'm like, the fact that God still loves me and embraced me, but then he's like, let me help you carry that junk. Let me, let me take some of that away from you. Um, that's grace and that's his goodness. Um, so first off, lay your junk down at his feet. But second off, um, Jesus did all the work for us. He did all the work. He carried your junk on the cross. So, um, you don't, it's not yours to carry. So by laying it down at his feet, um, we embrace what he did on the cross. So that is um, the grace that I'm walking in right now in my life is that Jesus, yes, there's, I have to deal with it. I have to deal with certain things in my life, and he's helping me with that um, every day of my life. But he ultimately carried it on the cross for me, and that's the revelation that I had to. So I don't owe anyone anything because of Jesus. Go. Right. So we need to tell people, hey, bring the junk to the feet of Jesus, man. It's a real thing. It holds them back. It holds them back. It isolates them from God. We got to do that. Real quick. And this is the place now that's important because this is where God really comes in. And we call it the judgment. The judgment. And God gave me a statement I'm going to share with you that's going to be so amazing. Here's what God says how to judge. Because people say, you're supposed to judge. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't judge. You can't judge me. Where did that come from? What you're saying is don't humiliate me. Come on now. Don't humiliate me. I'm already trying to deal with the lies of the enemy. Don't you add injury to insult. That's what you're really saying. But God is going to bring about a judgment. Here's what God says. Here's how you judge properly, people. He says, open the book. Don't just look at the cover. <laughs> Write that down. I'm telling you right now, that's going to free you right there. It says, open the book, open the Bible. Don't just the cover. Oh, come on. Come on. When you're going to bring about a judgment, open the book so you don't judge the cover. Come on, somebody. Open the book. Make sure you come with the Bible because that's what sets people free. And so in our judgment, we bring about what we want. And God says, no, bring about what I want. And so in dealing with McKenna and her journey, I said we had to open the book. And that's why we meet weekly. I'm like, every time we open the book, and we open the book, because I know that she's either judging herself or the enemy is judging her. And this should be a freedom that comes from this. I'm telling you right now, open the book. Don't judge. Don't just look at the cover. The final thing is the joy. The joy. Uh, there's no place like church. It's 
speak to that, the joy. Because we see with the prodigal, when they got home, they were rejoicing. Man, they had the fatted calf that was killed, not the turkey. They killed the fatted calf, you know what I mean? And there was celebration going on. And so in our last point, as we have to close, talk about the joy of where you are now. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a, something that I did struggle with back to the baggage was how do I come back and know people knew who I was before I walked away mm-hmm. and then they knew who I was when I walked away. So how I, again, goes back to you don't owe anyone anything, but it was neat to see uh, not only how the father celebrated me walking home, but the Bible talks about how all of heaven rejoices. Um, so that's what we're to do as a church. When, uh, when lost daughters and lost sons come home, rejoice, welcome them. Uh, look to how the father uh, reacts to when they walk back and, and model that. Um, because it was, it was uh, knowledge that led to my reckless living. Um, but it was knowing God and that wrecked the way I lived. So that is something to rejoice about. That is something... Um, not to walk in the reckless living, but allow who God is and the revelation of who he is to wreck the way you live. And um, so I celebrate that every day of my life, that he has um, just knowing who he is wrecks the way I live now. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's it. That's it. So this is our launch. I think last Sunday I said to you, make a list of people you know that are not walking with the Lord anymore. Family members, friends. What we're going to see is going to be just a mass of people coming back to the Lord. His coming is so close. And those of us who are walking in humility must join with what God is doing and give people direction so they can walk back to God. We'll get to the religious living, but we got to get to the reckless living. People who know God, but they've walked away from him. And they're going to get to a place where they're going to be humiliated and says, how can I fix this? And so the reason why we gather as a church is not because we can't be the church without the four walls. That's not why we gather. You want to know why we gather? You want to know why we rejoice? It's because people are coming to know Jesus. If the angels are rejoicing over one sinner that repents, our joy is because in this room, there are people coming to know Jesus. Come on. Can you imagine the humility it takes to bring your junk and have people look at your junk? And the enemy's bombarding your mind when says, you can't reveal that. No way. They're going to judge you. And so we come and we take our seat and we never get to a place where we can rejoice because we're free. We take our seat but we never get to a place where we can be free. And I want to let you know right now that there's joy in this house. Let's talk about your walk. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Let's talk about your walk. I pray, parents, that you will get a spine, get a backbone, And be so drenched with the love of God and walk in humility and go up to your child. I pray for your co-workers that are at 
your area that used to walk with God, but don't walk with him anymore. I pray that the people on your list that you will say, come to Jesus. Because that's the only way you can walk back to God is with Jesus. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you and you're saying, Holy Spirit, I need for you to help me talk about my walk. I haven't been giving God my all. I haven't really surrendered everything to him. And I want to surrender it now. I I, want to repent, not just of my sin, but repent of me not walking in what he told me to do. There are so many here that God has spoken to you. And the enemy has been barring you. You're not doing what God has called you to do. But there is joy right now because you're saying, God, I ask that you forgive me. And I'm going to step into my purpose. I'm going to step into my direction in the name of Jesus. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that right now so many sons and daughters are coming back to you. So many sons and daughters, Lord God, are coming back to you. And I thank you that you've given us the process through Luke 15. That the first thing is to talk about the journey. And then as we address the junk, we can then bring about a judgment that brings freedom. And so there can be joy in your house. Father, in Jesus' name, equip us to be people who walk in humility so that we can walk back to God. People need direction especially in this hour that we're living in. And I'm here to tell you, I believe with everything inside of me that every chair here is going to be filled and we're going to have to get another space because so many people are coming back to God. Why? Because we're walking in humility. If that's you right now, and you want to say, Pastor Roe, I want to start the journey of walking in humility so people can walk back to God. I want you to raise your hands all over this place. I want to walk in humility. Teach me humility, Lord. I want to walk in humility so I can be a conduit for people to know Jesus. Father, with every hand raised in this place, we ask you, Lord God, to move in a mighty and a powerful way in Jesus' name. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to make a decision that will change your life. To accept Jesus because the angels over in in heaven, they're going to be rejoicing. If you don't know Jesus, I want you right now to make that decision. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Change my world. Make me new. I believe in what Jesus did on the cross. So I want to accept the work of Jesus and become a son or a daughter of God. That's what it is right there. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, you're so good. Prodigals are coming home. Come on. Reckless living, they're coming home. Your son and daughter is coming home. They will fulfill the purpose of God for their lives. I believe it. I prophesy it. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Thank you again, McKenna, for coming up here and sharing your story. Praise God. God bless you all.
There will be no gathering this Wednesday for it's Thanksgiving. We want you to have a celebration with your family and friends. But please, please, there's one thing I ask of you. Make that list of people you know that walked away from God. At least pray for them. God opened up opportunity. They need Jesus. They need to know Jesus. Make that list. And in the weeks to come, we're going to see them occupy a seat so we can rejoice together. Because your loved ones, your friends, your family came to know Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Greet someone in the joy of the Lord. And we will see you on Sunday.